Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. I thought a big, big play in Oregon's win over Colorado last weekend was that fake punt from their own 17. It's a backbreaker, really. It was one of those emotional plays that uh, you think just breaks a team's will. Joe Lorig, special teams coordinator. He's coached with Dan Lanning at a couple stops. The pride of Western Oregon joining us now. How are you? I'm doing great, John. How are you doing, man? Doing well. I, I got so much to talk to you about. I want to know. We got to talk fishing. We got to talk about your your uh, law enforcement degree that you got in college. Of course, we're going to talk football. I don't even know where to start. You, I saw on Twitter yeah. you bought a, you bought a boat shortly after taking the job at Oregon. Is that right? You you got it. You got a boat and you're near the Mackenzie River. Yeah, I bought a second boat. Uh, I actually keep a boat in Montana all year long. I spend my summers in Montana. I keep a boat and a truck and a trailer over there. I've done that for years. Uh, big big avid fly fisherman, and I'm actually overlooking the Mackenzie River as we speak right now. I love that. What is it about fly fishing that captures you? Oh, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's a getaway. You know, usually you're you're somewhere where your cell phone service isn't any good, and and uh, you know you can kind of be by yourself and be out in nature. And and it's it's also the challenge of it. You know, fly fishing specifically, understanding bug hatches and water levels, and it can kind of be as complex as you want to make it. But uh, I love it, man. It's 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 kind of a family affair. My wife's into it. My kids are into it. So we've really enjoyed it. That's awesome. Do you uh, do you tie your own flies? Do you have a guy? What you know? Where do you get in your flies? No, it's kind of funny. You're the second person to ask me that today. Uh, no, I don't tie my own flies. Just, just based on time. Just if I, if I have, we don't have a lot of free time in this business. When I do get free time, I either want to be with my family or I want to be on the river fishing. So, don't tie my own. But you know, I think in retirement, that's something that I look forward to. But I, I buy them. Um, I try to support the local fly shops where I work. There you right go. There. there you go. All right. You took Dan Landing fly fishing or fishing. I don't know which. Right away when he got in and he told me. He, he told me before you went out, he said, uh, you know, Joe Lorig's trying to get me to go out. And then all, all of a sudden I saw him on social media with a fish. What is what is Dan Lanning like as a fisherman? Okay, so the, the truth is I've, I've taken Dan fishing many times, but the, the one time here that, that he, we, we put it on, he put it on social media, he actually caught the fish himself. He's, he's a pretty good fisherman. We went fly fishing. We went with a guide because I didn't want to row all day. Um, <laughs> and he does, he does a good job. He's he caught his own fish, tied tied on his own stuff, did great. The one negative part of him is he likes music on the river, so it couldn't like be quiet and be on the yeah. outside. And he has zero patience, so he would like wonder every two seconds, "Why am I not catching one? Why am I not catching one? What are we gonna do next? What's around the next corner?" It's like, coach, just relax, man. Like, you're not number one. Fix your cast, and you might catch more fish or catch a <laughs> fish, right? So, uh, but it was it was a good roll river. So I, I said, "Hey, when you're out here, you're not the boss. I'm gonna treat you just like anybody else." So I was able to order order him around a little bit and. No, it was great for him. He's he's really embraced it. He he, uh, you know, just getting out and doing some different things and, and trying to to enjoy what Eugene has to offer. Yeah, I think it's really. Um, I, I think you learn a lot about people when you're out and you have a chance to talk, and it's quiet and you're doing something like that. Uh, Joe Lorig is our guest. Uh, you got your degree in law enforcement. You got a master's in correctional administration from Western Oregon. What were you planning to do with that? Yeah, I did. You know, I, I worked at Walla Walla State Penitentiary when, when I when I went to Walla Walla Junior College, and then I worked at uh, Yamhill County Juvenile Facility and Marion County Juvenile Facility. And uh, really, my intention was was to go into law enforcement. You know, maybe be a marshal or in the FBI or something like that. After after maybe working in, in local police, and um, after a while, 
ended up in juvenile probation sex offenders work, mm-hmm. which is which is uh, which is challenging work. I uh, got a call one day from my from my college coach at Western Oregon told me that, that they had an opportunity for me to come back and be a graduate assistant. And so my plan was to go back, be a graduate assistant, get my master's degree, and then go back into law enforcement. You, you make more money usually if you have that, that master's degree. But once I got into coaching, it just I just realized how fun it was, and, and it, was, it was kind of my calling. And I wanted to have the impact that, that my college coaches had on me and other people, so I just, I just never went back. You have so many interesting stops, and you go, you're in the big sky at Idaho State and UTEP, Central Washington, to Arizona State, Utah State, Memphis, Penn State, uh, Oregon, obviously. Is coaching coaching, or do you find at the different levels you have different challenges? Uh, no, every place has its challenges for sure. You know, co- coaching is, is similar at, at different places. By the way, I listen to your show a lot, and I, li- I listen to your weekly Bruce Barnum stuff. I worked with Bruce Barnum for 10 years, so I've got awesome. some great stories for you someday. I've got to hear he that. Exactly, he's exactly on your show like he is in real life. So he, doesn't, he doesn't pull any punches. But, no, coaching's coaching. The one thing, the one thing that I would say um, that, that's kind of that, that I didn't realize until I got to Oregon is, is how, how different it is when you coach at home. You know, it, it means a lot to me when I when I put on the O, when I walk out into Autzen Stadium, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. It's it's different for me because I grew up on this. You know, I know what I know what it means to play Oregon State. I know what it means when we play Washington. I know the histories. I know the coaching histories and the game histories. And so um, being blessed enough to be at, at, at what I consider to be my home state school, where, where my wife's from and, and really where my formative years were spent, as you mentioned earlier, at Western Oregon is, is really, really special. I've, I've been at some awesome places. It's not meant to disparage anywhere else, but – being in Oregon is different for me. It feels different. It, it, you know, I don't need you to give away a state secret, but when you're lining up and you're in a punt formation and you've worked on something all week and you end up, you know, with the fake punt call, is that something you're calling or is that something where situationally you guys have talked all week and said, hey, if it's there, we, you know, we're going for it? Yeah, so that you know, we Coach Landing is a really aggressive coach, as, as I'm, I'm sure you've probably seen if you follow us. And so him and him and I, I, I put together a special teams game plan on Sunday and Monday. Him and I meet every Monday at six, and his his first questions to me are always, "Hey, how can we steal a possession? How can we change this game? What what are the plays that you have that that we can take from our playbook and use to have an impact?" I don't want to just sit back and be be like everybody else. I don't want to just get through it. I want I want to I want to really change this thing. And so. Uh, I present to him the fakes that I think are there, or the onside kicks, or what, whatever it may be, um, and and then he, you know, he picks picks and chooses the ones that he likes, and I kind of show him on film. This is why I like it, coach. This, this is if we get this look, then I, I think it's there, or we get this look or this look, I think it's there, and then he either approves it or doesn't approve it. And the one that we ran Saturday, honestly, is one that we run all the time. Um, uh, prior at, at at that staff's prior stop at Jackson State, they'd had it the same fake ran on them a couple of times. So we felt pretty confident if we got the look that that uh, that we would call it. You know, now the part that that I that I can't and shouldn't take any credit for is calling it in that situation. You know that that takes that takes invention. <laughs> and Coach Landing made that call, and and uh, obviously it was the right one because it worked. But he he definitely is the one that makes that final call. How excited did he sound on the headset when he said, "We're calling it here." Very. He, he he is very aggressive. He he is he is often saying, "Hey, I want to call this. What do you think?" <laughs> I tend to be a little bit more conservative, so usually I'm like, "I don't know, Coach. Let's let's hold back on this one." And not that I would have the final say. I don't, I don't mean it to sound like that, but on this one, he, I could tell he didn't even give it up. He said, "I want what we call it," and said, "Yeah, yeah." What do you think? Yeah, it's good. Let's run it. So he. Uh, I don't think there was any surprise. We we got the exact look we practiced all week, and and uh, our kids executed it really well, and, and it, it it had a big impact on the game. 
Well, you know, it's interesting because you've worked with him at a couple of other stops, and I think coaches sometimes, I've talked to coaches who will say, you know, I that trust is important and knowing someone is important because when you're having those conversations that are very rapid and they're in between plays, you got to know if he's asking, hey, talk me out of this, right? Or if he's just saying, I'm, I, I want to go for it, what do you think? And I'm sure you picked that up right away. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a really good point. When, when you know someone, you know, I, I know him on the field, off the field. He's a really close friend. I love him. And, and you're right, I, I can tell by the tone of voice if it's, if it's like, hey, what do you think? Or it's like, we're running this. You kind of better agree with me. <laughs> right? And We've had a bunch of those conversations as he's been here. And, and, you know, one thing about Coach Lanning is, and I'm not just saying this to say it, but he, he's super, super, super smart. I'm sure you've gathered that talking to him. And so um, he's usually a step ahead of, of certainly of me and probably of a lot of people that, that I know. And so, when he when he thinks of something like that, it usually has really good reasoning behind it, and really good thought process behind it. And again, for us, that's something that we you know like for instance the play Saturday. That's something we've repped you know, since we got here, like probably hundreds and hundreds of times. So it was no surprise to us when we got the look, and, and no surprise to our players when it, when it was executed and it worked. Joe Lorig, assistant coach, Oregon is our guest. I got to ask you, you know, I'm I'm watching punters and kickers, and especially punters, we're seeing them come out of these kicking academies with rugby backgrounds. And what's going on in the world of special teams when it comes to the kicking game? Yeah, you know the the uh, the Australian people, I'm sure, what you're referring to is has, has, has kind of taken over. You know, there's there's a, a a group called Pro Kick Australia. They they've really permeated part of college football. Probably happened, you know, ten or fifteen years ago. Um, you know, those kids just grow up. That's what they do. They just grow up kicking the brunt of the ball and kicking the ball a little bit different than, than they do here in the U.S. Not that there's not still, you know, really good kickers and punters here, too. And it's really more punters in, out of Australia. But, uh, you know, we have one on our team, Luke Dunn. He's, he's a, a really exciting young guy, along with our current punter, Ross James. So it's just something that, that's kind of taken over. It's a, it's a little bit interesting. I, I'd always kind of wanted to take an Australian guy in my career, but it's it's weird because if you want to, you kind of have to just take some guy you've never met's word for it, right? Like there's, there's a, they have like these handlers and, and he, he tells you, Hey, this is the guy you're going to take. And they send you film and stuff, but it's not like, like you can go over there, but you know, what are you going to get out of a day or two? It's different than like, if there's a punter in Oregon, I'm going to have a relationship with him for four or five years. I'm going to see him play numerous times. I'm going to have him at camp. I'm going to be in his home. I mean, you're going to know all the ins and outs. I know his high school coach. Like you're going to know, you're going to have seen the kid dozens and dozens of times. And, and literally, at least my, my experience is you kind of have to take this guy that you've never met for that's in a different country's word that, hey, this is your guy. <laughs> they just, they, that's how it works. you got you got to take a little bit of a risk. So it's a little bit risky, but um, it certainly paid off for us this time. And, and, and uh, I know lots of people that, that are in the same role that I am at different schools that, that have done it, and, and it's been really successful. You played defensive back in community college and college, and uh, you know now you still get to coach a little bit of the defensive backfield along with special teams. But, um, you know, did you did you think back then, maybe someday I will, I will be in coaching, or did you just like football so much that you saw yourself potentially being around it? No, none of the above, to be honest with you. I, I have kind of a, a weird coaching story. I, I won't take too long. But basically, I grew up in a single-mother single household. My mom was a really, really big influence on me and continues to be. But I didn't have a dad growing up. My uncles are kind of like my dad. So when I went to college – and I tell my players this now, and it's crazy. When I went to college, my college position coach ended up being the best man in my wedding. I mean, think think about how yeah. crazy that is. My college position coach at Western Oregon, Chris Ball, who's the head coach at Northern Arizona now, he was he was the best man in my wedding, right? That's how close I got to him. So 
he just had such a profound impact on me and really became, he gets mad when I say father figure because he doesn't want to seem that old, but he, he became like my dad, became like a father figure for me. And when I had a chance to go back and kind of get immersed in coaching a little bit, um, I saw the impact that I could have on guys, you know, that in, in a similar way. And, and it just really moved me. And, and again, I just never really looked back. You mentioned Bruce Barnum earlier. You, you guys played him this year. You put 81 on him. Was there any part of you in your heart that was going, Ooh, you know, as the points were, and he even afterwards said, Hey, they weren't trying, they were throttling down. We just couldn't stop him. He didn't see it as classless, but was there any part of you, Joe, looking over going, I know that guy. And there's part of this that, that makes me uncomfortable. No, there was a huge part of that. Yeah. I, I know our team, I know our staff, I know our head coach, and I know they would never intentionally do that. So I knew there was no malice, but cer- certainly I felt for those guys, you know, I've, I've been in games like that when I was at Idaho state and we play, you know, bigger teams. Um, and, and so that part of it's not fun, but, but, uh, you know, I just wanted to make sure that it, it was done the right way. And we weren't, you know, like you said, be, doing anything the wrong way, which I, I know Bruce acknowledged that we weren't, but certainly I felt for him. And I, I was just hoping that they could, you know, find a way to use it as a positive for their, for their season and a way that their kids could get exposure to that kind of environment. And, and at the end of the day, later on, look back at as a positive experience. Your kids, do they realize how cool it is that dad's a football coach? Have, have they made that realization, or have they just grown up in it, and maybe they don't know until they know? Man, I should, I should have you talk to them. No, they, they think that I'm not cool at all. I'm a complete dork. I was, my wife and I were, had a late lunch a little bit ago. We were just talking about how my daughter the other day, like I told her to clean her room or something. She looked at me like, do you live here? Like, like who are you telling to clean their room? So, like, right. no, I have no pull, no say. They tell me I dress bad. Um, no, they think I'm not cool at all, so I'm, it's starting to affect me a little bit. All right, so big emotional game. I, I've not seen Autzen Stadium that sort of uh, whipped into a frenzy in 20 years. Like I, There have been big games, but there, it was a big emotional game for the fan base and for the team. I'm sure the coaching staff last week, Colorado. Now you pivot to Stanford. How have the practices been? Are you seeing, you know, Are you seeing that same sort of passion, emotion, guarding for a letdown? Yeah, you know, to, to be honest with you, I don't think we did early in the week. You know, Coach Lanning really addressed the team uh, after after Monday's practice, and we didn't, we didn't feel like it was good enough. You know, we didn't feel like like the energy was there, like the enthusiasm was there, like the work that was there that got us to this point. So he, he really uh, was very direct with the team and addressed it. And since then, I've seen a, a total change in, in our – you know, in our demeanor, in our work habits, because this team's a really hardworking team. But that's the challenge, John, is just keeping keeping guys week to week to week. And, and you really, it, you know, some people call it coach speak, but you really have to have a one and no mentality uh, every single week. And whether you win or lose, you know, whatever day it is for us, it's Monday. It's not some teams, it's Sunday. you got to be able to turn the page. And it's much harder when you when you lose, but you got to be able to turn the page and move on because the next opponent isn't going to care, right? And you see it all over college football with upsets every week because – it's even more in college than the NFL because it's just hard. These 18 to 22 year old kids with so much, so much other stuff going on. It's really hard to manage them week to week to week. But uh, I think coach addressing it early. Um, you know, I, I've seen a response from our players, and I expect that we'll play well on Saturday. Do you, are you a reader? Do you have a book on your nightstand? Are you a Netflix guy? What are you doing for downtime? I read every single day. I'm a huge reader, avid reader, and. Uh, yeah, I'm reading a really good book right now. I'm trying to think of the name of it by Tim Russert. Um, it's about his travels. His his father passed away, and it's about oh, his Oh, yeah, travels. yeah. Oh, I yep. know what it's called. Look from here. Yep. Or look from there. Yeah, it's really good. I'm about I'm about done with it. Yeah, great book. I'm a huge reader. But only 
uh, like true crime or nonfiction stuff, though. You know what? My dad got me that book, and I haven't gotten around to reading it yet. Now I gotta, I gotta I go. Like I might have heard about it on your show, maybe. To be honest with you, I heard yeah. about it on the radio show and then got it for after after that. It might, it's really it might. good. I encourage you to read it. We try to do that. We try to do it every June. We do like right in front of Father's Day. We do hey book recommendations. So we're gonna have to have you back on and have you give like your book club list, and then we can make it make that public. Yeah, let's do it, man. I usually read one or two a month, so let's let's do it. All right. Good luck this weekend. I appreciate you making time for us and uh, letting us get to know you a little bit, and uh, we'll have you back on, Joe. Thank you. No problem, John. I'm a big fan of yours. Thanks, man. All right. Thank you. There he is, Joe Lorig. He's the special teams coach. He also coaches the Nichols defensive backs and uh, University of Oregon on Saturday at Stanford. Will there be a letdown? I don't think so. I, I just think Oregon's too talented, and... And Dan Lanning in Oregon, obviously, by week ahead, then Washington in week seven. This is kind of like run through the finish line. Coaches will talk about that all the time. Run through the goal line. You know, don't just finish the drill. Run five yards further. This is the five yards further part of Oregon's season because they will go into a bye week in week six. Then the showdown with Michael Penix Jr. and the Washington Huskies. All right, Stephen and I are going to lock in our picks for the week. Stephen, are you ready in the next segment? Can we do it? Yeah, I'm ready, man. Let's do this thing. We're going to lock in our picks. Still ahead, Sean Merriman, NFL linebacker. Yesterday we told you where we were leaning on the Pac-12 games. Now we can tell you who we're picking when it comes to the five Pac-12 games this weekend. I've got my picks. Stephen's got his picks uh, so far this season. I am 36-4, and four, picking games straight up. I'm doing all right there. Uh, my record against the spread is 18-13. and 13. That's 58%. Down 10% from last week because I went 1-5. and five. I need a good week this week, Stephen. I need to save face. I need to go maybe, uh, uh, maybe three out of uh, five or better. So that's what I need to do. Let's see uh, if we agree or disagree on these games. Let's start with Utah. At Oregon State, the Friday game, 6 o'clock, FS1. Here's the spread. Currently, Oregon State favored by 3.5. I would love to see that drop to 3 because I think it's a 3-point game, despite the fact that Oregon State hasn't looked good, despite the fact that DJ Uingalele has looked uh, shaky. I am going to pick Oregon State 24-21 over Utah. That means I like Utah on the points, but I like Oregon State to win. Steven. Yeah, and I mean, depending on where you're looking, John, you can look at different books. It's going up in Oregon State's fashion. You can get them Ooh. minus four, even maybe four and a half. It's going that way. I think that means maybe Nate Johnson will be playing. According to you mm. know, people in Vegas think he may be the guy instead of Cam Rising. I don't know what that you know does to your, uh, your change of heart there, if it does at all. But I tell you what, I don't really care who the quarterback is. The more I think about this game, the more I like Utah in it. And I can't go against Kyle Winningham, man. Every time I do, he, I he he just punches me in the face every time. And, and it's always a win for Utah. I look at Oregon State, and I just don't like the way they've played the last two ball games. San Diego, I agree. San Diego State, they were not very good in that game. They're lucky they were playing San Diego State. And then Washington State, they were down by 21 points going in the fourth quarter. Like, I know they only lost by three, but I don't think they played very well in that game. They played one good quarter, and so I don't think you can afford that against a team like Utah who has that tough defense. It's going to be a real low-scoring game, but I think Utah wins it on the field. I think it's you know like a 20-14 to 14 type of game, maybe 24-21, something like that. But I think Utah gets the win regardless of who the quarterback is. All right, so home favorites in the Pac-12 are 23-1 and when it comes to winning the game straight up. Are you saying we're going to see win number two 
by a road dog. I am. I'm, I think I'm saying that. I, I just don't trust the Oregon. The Oregon State defense fell apart against Washington State, and then the offense hasn't looked good the last two weeks. I, I don't see how DJ Uyunglele is going to be throwing the ball on this Utah defense, and then when they're you know, straddled up to guard that run, I just don't know how effective it's going to be. I, I think Utah's got him this week. I'm looking for the... Uh... Looking for the loss, uh, you know, the home loss. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry Truth. to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.